0: The Raw Rugby Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to The Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS, I'm Brett McKay. The penultimate weekend of the 2023 Rugby World Cup pool stage is behind us. The finishing order in some pools and the qualifying teams in others are still, surprisingly, a long way from being decided your place for the biggest and best Rugby World Cup discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Uh, wonderful to have Peter Fitzsimons on the pod last week. Great to get his insights into the tournament on a number of fronts from the performances of Wales and Fiji comp- comparative to Australia in Pool C, but also the, the atmosphere in the grounds, uh, the way he's just been soaking up his time back in France, uh, re- re- reuniting and and, uh, and catching up with, with old friends and rugby teammates was just great to, to have last week. Uh, joining me this and every week, the man who ran a surprising second in our little Twitter milestone race over the last little bit, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How are you?
0: How's it, Brett? I see you've been using the Wallaby statistician to uh, compare my incredible rise of adding 4,000 <laughs> yes. followers in a year. But no, it's Nilly, okay. Nearly 5,000.
1: Nearly five thousand. So, for the uninitiated, I've beaten Harry to our respective milestones: six thousand for me, five thousand for Harry, by a matter of about twenty-five or something like that. uh, Harry gave up a fifteen hundred head start when we started looking at this, but I was quite sure the power of the (laughs) Musk algorithm delivering hundreds of followers each month to him would would get him over the line. But alas, (laughs) you should maybe get a refund on your eight bucks a month, mate.
0: Musk <laughs> is now paying me for my incredible art. My art, by the I'm way, is driven, is driven by my need to get around world rugby stupid regulations where you cannot have even uh, a little screenshot of some guy picking his nose in the stands. Somehow, that's mm. uh, really protected. So, what I've done is now I like you know, I like scrum footage. So, I've been doing cartoon versions of scrums. Oh, I've And it, it's, it's someone got got across to me and said, "Hey, mate." You're making Wayne Barnes bald spot look worse. And in in the actual like uh <laughs> the art that I use, it's true. It's yes. terrible. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um a hero
1: for you then on that front. Um I was taken, I took a little bit, it looked to a lot of the right, right of cup in over the end, and it was obviously won, won well by the Europeans. But the standout theme that I've seen through the post mortems since the uh, since the result was that the organizers weren't claiming copyright breaches left, right and centre and so that people sharing images or pieces of vision online through the socials, it was all just allowed to stay up and everyone got to enjoy the event, whether they were there or not, the way it was intended and it absolutely added to the overall experience and I think even just adding what what you've just said there, there's a lesson there for major sporting events. There's got to be a
0: way that people can participate in it the way they want to. Yeah, we're kind of funny, aren't we? In rugby, we're trying to—we say we want yeah. more people in, but we kind of do things to make people stay out. And yeah, yeah. We're well, very the FIFA sobbing. World Cup last
1: last month was 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 yeah. so heavy-handed. If you even—it was nearly okay. getting to the point where if you
0: put up a stick figure playing soccer, they were claiming copyright breach. It was
1: it was ridiculous.
0: My only theory would be that they, they thought scarcity like diamonds. You know, it's like, we want to make something yeah, very yeah, rare maybe. and hard to get, but it doesn't seem to make sense in today's age. No nah, it doesn't. It doesn't. You
1: got a zero for me?
0: Uh, the French fans who just sort of have... Anthem masturbation. It's anthem wankery, <laughs> where like where they're essentially bored by Tonga fighting for its life and its pride. A, you know, a brave island almost destroyed by a, uh, a tornado, by an earth, by a, um, a volcano that erupts yeah. and huge tsunamis. And here they are, two hundred thousand of them in the whole world. They're playing. they far from home against the mighty mighty Springboks. I don't know if it's the right time to sing a song about drinking your blood and ridding the land of <laughs> impure blood and blood 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 instead of just going tonga tonga you know pick mm. up the underdog like be a good host nation like japan which actually learned the anthems of other countries um yeah, yeah. i just feel like it's they're bored and they're like thinking hey look you know let's be as rude as possible but then wonder why do you think we're rude uh you're rude because <laughs> that's rude okay you don't yeah. want the Yanks singing the far-spangled banger ban- banner when the Ireland's playing Scotland uh, in a knockout. Um, no. It would be considered rude then, and it's rude now. So let's just say, yeah. calm down. But they they do have a chance when they actually play against the Springboks. There, of course, sing the anthem five thousand times.
1: Love to say up, absolutely. But let's get on to this week's guest. Another returning guest from last year, but a guest that we've had penciled in for a little while to help us understand what's going on in post-Eddie England. The Raw Rugby Podcast. Back in the pod's Paris studios, where we are so thrilled to have back on the Raw Rugby Podcast a giant of English rugby media fraternity, author, and the Guardian's rugby correspondent for more than two decades. It is a welcome back to Rob Kitson.
2: Nice nice to be here. How are you?
1: Oh, very, very well, mate. It is great to see you again. How's how's you two have been so
2: far? Oh well, it's been uh, busy. I've got to say, there's, mm. um, there's, it's quite a big place, France, isn't it? Well, once you, once you uh, we get around it, we uh, last night was Saint and I've got to say, there for for Portugal, Australia, Portuguese fans. I mean, if we're talking heroes of the tournament, they've just been fantastic. They've they're all on the tram it. with the old with the old wolf heads. They're all howling on the tram on the way there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Os Lobos. We're all a little bit Portuguese now. I think. Yeah,
1: the the noise they were making, that was the thing, even coming through my screens at ungodly hours of the morning, Rob, it was just, it was so cool, it was hard not to get swept up
2: in that. Well, we we can all make serious points about you know I don't want to use the word tier two, but you know the smaller yeah. rugby nations. We can all you know get all serious, but the the, the just the joy and the and the the, the way they play, that everything about them has been an asset to the tournament. And uh, you know it's, it's it's a long way. Actually, people think, oh yeah, Portugal and France they're pretty close. It's, it's still over what a thousand miles or so. Um, mm. I think about fifteen hundred k's. You're going from Lisbon to. Uh, Saint Etienne, uh, so the passion was was fantastic, and I, you know, you just hope that them and other sides get a bit more encouragement. No? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: We are still asking the same question to kick us off each week, and that is simply to say, what stood out for you on this weekend that you've just seen.
2: Well, uh, I also attended New Zealand against Italy uh, Mm. and Italy had been talking it up, Um, you know, quite rightly. We're going to play. And I've got to say, you know, New Zealand, we we all like bagging New Zealand occasionally, you know, and they're they're very good and they're there to be shot at and clearly they've been there to be shot at for many (laughs) decades. Mm. But you've got to take your hat off to them when they play the kind of rugby. And yes, we all know Italy weren't. You know, great, and the heads went down a little bit, and what have you. But the precision, the running, the angles, the understanding. uh, So I've got to say, in pure rugby terms, I I would say some of the All Blacks' execution and uh, accuracy was just off the chart.
1: Yeah, yeah, it felt like Harry that that might have been the reaction to the France loss. They needed a big score to make a statement, and they got it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they were uh, skulking in caves and doing mantras and kicking cans cans in Germany. All the Barrett brothers have been giving each other tattoos, but um, it's been grim. <laughs> We've been waiting for them to come back, and we knew it would be something. Ian Foster was sour though, talking about, yeah. "Well, we, I don't know if we really want to watch Ireland Springboks twenty-seven minutes in play." I mean, excuse me, everyone in rugby loved that match because it was gripping, Absolutely. it was real, it was tantalising. You didn't know what was going to happen and until the final instant. Suspense and is correct part me if I'm wrong. Code, yeah, yeah.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong. Ball in play for New Zealand. Italy was two minutes
0: longer. Okay, yeah. so and also, ball and play is a deceiving stat because when you have kick tennis, that's all ball and play. So, yes, you is. know, you, the best te- ball and play get matches are where the, the flyoff misses touch a lot. Speaking of flyoff play, for me, I think what stood out was Portugal really had a nine, 10, and 15 that really came to play. You could have slotted those three guys into the Wallabies team and it would have been better. Uh, they had a proper seven. They have really some good that's, elements. And I think people liked hurtful. watching Portugal play. No, I promise you, that 59 yeah. Ma- was good for Martins.
1: Portugal. Martins, the, the open side flanker, was a phenomenal player. Yeah. He was so yeah. close to scoring that try. So, the so as well.
0: I don't want to patronize yeah. them and say that they looked like a crazy Serge Blanco, you know, try for end of the world because they all ran almost diagonal and falling over, and people mm. looked funny. But I mean it looked like that. It looked like you'd gone back in time and you were seeing. All the old timers going. Ah, oh, rugby used to be more open. Like that's how Portugal was yeah. playing. And in a way, I think that's what a, what those teams should do when it comes to the World Cup. Throw caution to the winds. Play. Stop doing like mimicking tier one uh, mm. tactics where you always kick to the corner, where you are uncertain to win your lineout. Tap and go. Uh, go quick. Play. Play yeah. quickly and and yeah. spread the ball around and see if you can catch those tier one teams by surprise. Yeah.
1: Well on the, that is actually the topic of, of mine because I I was quite surprised how flat Fiji looked against Georgia and we'll never know what might have been Rob of course because you, and you'd have to wonder what might have been if Georgia did in fact lead 16-0 at half time like arguably they probably should have and they were excellent in that first half and Fiji had to play actually really really well to come back to come back in the second half
2: Let's just say we've seen forward passes that were a lot more forward than the one uh, that was given, didn't we? And and he's, if he kicks that drop goal as well, um, you know, suddenly we've got a a, a major, major game up. Um, just, just one thing going back to, well, we'll talk about Fiji and favouritism in a minute. I don't think they like mm. the expectation and the favouritism. That's a new thing. And That's maybe that point. was part of it. I just want to go back to what Ian Fox, Ian Foster. I'm just going to put a little word in for him. Only in the sense, I think he was talking in a slightly broader sense. I was in the press conference, and I think he was meaning that, you know, if you want to embrace sides who haven't got the power, who haven't got the, 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 the sheer oomph of, of one of these, two or three of these big sides, I think that's what he's trying to say. If rugby, rugby and I think he was possibly alluding to the safety stuff and the tackle height and yeah, all the rest right. of it. I think he's saying rugby in 20 years' time, it has got a bit of a decision to make what it wants to be, mm. how it wants to project itself. I absolutely take your point. I was at Ireland South Africa. What a game that was. I mean it was just, yeah. you know, off the scale in the intensity. You can't play that every week and you can't play that at all levels of the game. So I think I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and saying he was mm-hmm. making a slightly broader point.
1: Yeah, no fair. It's it's fair. Let's um let's let's knock over Australia Portugal early. Let's let's get that behind us and then we can look at look at some other things. were you you've you've probably seen more of Portuguese rugby than than we have in the Southern hemisphere. Rob was, were you surprised at how enterprising they were, and how much and how many questions they did fire of the Australian defence, particularly out wide, or were you absolutely expecting that?
2: I mean, yes and no. Yeah, um, I mean, yes. They've, I think they've, they've impressed everybody. I don't, you know, mm. surprise is a different word. I think, they've, as we've said, they have really impressed people with the way they wanted to play. Patrice Lagisca, you know, he was a, he was a winger in his day, and I, I think, there's another point, you know, you don't get a lot of wingers coaching sides these days. Oh, and true. I think there's a massive debate to be had about forward coaches, coaches who are forwards, coaches who were backs, the ethos, how that spills over. I've long thought that's the really. Uh, interesting area that you know it, 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 we'll get to England in a minute, but they've got a you know a, a, a very sort of um, narrow focused mm-hmm. ex forward as their coach. Now I'm, I'm, you know could be coincidence. There are enlightened forwards clearly, but I think anyway Portugal are, are benefiting from having a guy with um, slightly broader vision. But they've got a lot of sevens guys. though so we we did know about their sevens pedigree, and we also knew they played very well in that qualifying. Uh, we saw saw some of those uh, matches in the qualifying. They knocked out the mm-hmm. USA in particular. Uh, and 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 usa were,
0: were suitably impressed put it that way
1: yeah yeah, yeah. harry you, you you really enjoyed portugal didn't
0: you i did but i have such world cup <clears throat> rugby world cup brain right now that the chilean team and the portuguese team have all blended into one in my brain so sometimes <laughs> when i think about what i'm talking about I'm thinking, no the comb over was from the chilean guy and the it love was handles spec- was the portuguese yeah. guy yeah it so, was a
1: spectacular comb over too
0: when, when we talk about rugby being a game for all sizes and shapes, and we include hair, uh, I think what's cool about watching these teams like Portugal and Chile is they don't have people who look proper, like in the lab, designed to be this position, that position. It's still a bit of a club. It's still a bit of a wildness to them. And uh, there was a... I, so, some of the choices they make are really funny, and they end up with the, with the referee getting the ball in the face. So
1: it's Yeah, fun. yeah. Well, there was a moment of... A little moment of, of well, levity, and then it became quite serious in the uh, South African Tonga game with Luke Pearce and the, the and prop who kept pushing the ball back into the ruck. And he sort of chipped him <laughs> first and said, come on, mate, don't do that. You can't milk it. And then he warned him straight out and blew the penalty against him. And he said, we've literally just talked about this. <laughs> it was, and it was well handled. And I think, Rob, that just continues the theme that we've Seen through the times, but generally speaking, the refereeing has actually been really, really good.
2: Yeah, they, they they've definitely got some good guys. I mean, I think you know, I think we're the problem is, is the is the, the bunker and the consistency, and we're still mm-hmm. we still nowhere no closer are we would, to to really knowing. I feel a little bit. I say not sorry. Never feel sorry for a TV pundit, but they you know on the TV they are going oh that looks uh, or doesn't look great or looks good or whatever it is, and then the, the virtually the complete opposite seems to happen every time, which just goes to show. The margins are so yes. tight. And, and they, yeah. they've still, for me anyway, they've still got to sort that out because it's, yeah. um, it, it, Eddie Jones was talking about it last night that it's, that it's, you know, there's too many delays because, you know, you're still going to the bunker. Yes, you're taking it away from the ref, bit of pressure off, what have you. But I think, you know, we, we might be edging closer to putting them on report, you know, as in rugby league.
1: Yeah, there was a moment there um, when the referee brought both the captains together when Simon Karevi was... In the bin and the way he bought the captains together, and and I'm listening to Australian commentary um here and they all said the same thing. This could actually be red. And and they everyone was thinking that because of the way he actually bought the two captains together, and he said, Now listen, and he said, There actually wasn't enough force, it's gonna stay yellow. And they all sort of went, Oh thank God, <laughs> because there was that moment where they thought he's this is actually gonna be up, upgraded to red for a for a four um to a defender which I, would have been I, something
2: i think there's a big commercial opportunity isn't it and the decision is and we'll come back to you after the break you know i mean there's uh yeah i i don't know i am it, it should have worked it's it's it you could argue it's better
0: in some respect but you just, i just don't
2: think it could be anything.
0: a you're still doing yeah. those replays that you can't really yeah. tell it could be a plot reveal too at the end like a gender reveal party where it, it uh, there's confetti of yellow or confetti of red and the guy has to sit there and wait I mean, it just
1: bursts. Yeah. Oh, now we're thinking. We actually get the guy in the yellow
2: card chair has to pull the yeah. cord.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. Move.
2: He's got to swivel as well. He's got to. He's got to turn his back and then reveal himself. Yeah. Yeah, we are talking. You know, there's, there's scope here. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll get in touch with World Rugby after we finish the call, and we'll we'll, um,
0: we'll make the call. Absolutely right. They down. will love this. They will love this. this I know they is will. Just great. Yeah. Their elbow patches will will come off with joy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a
1: great idea. It is a great idea. The equation for, for Australia <laughs> next weekend now is they have to sit back and watch Portugal and Fiji. Um, uh, Eddie Jones was asked whether now all Australians are, are Portugal supporters, and he, in typical Eddie Jones fashion, said, nah, it's not about us supporting Portugal. We've just got to sit back and cop it, basically. Um, so the equation is... VG can't get a point of any sort. That's what it boils down to now. So at least it's simple. It's not you know less than seven, more than seven, or they they (laughs) cannot. A point of any description will have them go go ahead. And I said it in our instant reaction. I feel for the Australian players. They'll come back after three days off, um, and they'll have to train for a couple of days and then watch a game that will determine whether or not they've just wasted their time for three days. I mean, how do you how
2: do you get your head around that, Rob? Well, I've, I've been up to the Wallaby, went up there last week, to, the, and they're staying sort of north of San Etienne. They're up, It's let's just say it's not Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, I, I think they're going to be, yeah, if you, you rugby training is great, as we all know, but you, if you've got to have a game at the weekend to look forward to or a game the following weekend, and, and they would know in their heart of hearts, what, what are the odds, you know, one yes. out of 20, two out of 20, maybe? Um, one so, in reckon. Yeah, you know. So I, I I don't know. I I think I mean, but then again they, they can't blame anybody else can they? They're in that predicament. Um mm. you know there's people will have various amounts of sympathy depending on your view on Eddie, depending on your view of of, of the, the the squad that he picked, depending on the, your view of the people he left mm. out, uh depending on lots of things. Um but I I yeah you've got to you basically got to suck it up and you yeah. you're in that position you got to make the best of it. H-
1: having watched you up close um, for his six or seven years as, as England coach, are you are you surprised at the way his Australian plans have failed for him, or have you very much seen this movie before?
2: I, I mean, as I say, I'm. I'm it's a tricky one because I've got to say the words déjà vu uh, do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously come round and round to, to me. Uh, Deja vu all over again, as we like to it say. Was, down here. Completely. And uh, so I'm sat there in the room and it feels it, it's uh, I've been here before. This is exactly the same. And the, the, the script is the same. And and it's, listen, everybody knows it's a tough job. I'm, you know, Eddie, as we all know, technical coach, he knows uh, more about rugby than, than an awful lot of yes. people. Um, so we all appreciate that. I, I Equally. Like anybody with England, anybody who's seen the last, the unraveling in the last eighteen months, two years with England, not remotely surprised. And and mm-hmm. then you know, then you you get into the the wider issues. Clearly, there's wider issues in Australian okay. realm, which, Again, you guys have been over before, and I don't need to repeat. But um, there's a lot that that <laughs> going on before you get to the to the top. But equally, putting all your faith in the Messiah that is Eddie. <clears throat> Uh, I think is something that um, possibly people need to wean themselves off. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Um, I do want to get to England, but before on the way to England, I just want to divert through through Wales, if I can. And they've almost been the forgotten team of Pilsi for the last week and a half. They qualified, uh, you know, last, last week. Um, but they've been really, really impressive, this tournament. And it feels to me like um, they've managed to regroup and... And reset themselves after the warm up games
2: really well, and so I guess the question is, how have they managed to do that that you've seen? Well, I, I think if we're talking talking about coaches, Warren Gatlin has been unbelievably shrewd. You know, he's been in that mm-hmm. job before, so it's not new to him. He knows the players. He, he he had a little look at the start. It, 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 you know they were having all sorts of issues. of player strikes being threatened. There's no, no money in the Welsh Rugby Union. The, you know there's a lot going on, which he, by his own admission, didn't know much about um, or didn't didn't uh, mm. didn't realise. You know all this stuff was happening. So, yeah, he's he's been I think instrumental, but he's also been clever in the sense that he's promoted as Jack Morgan in the back row um, as one of his co-captains. he's yeah, been and, great. Been a revelation, and suddenly they got a new. Rather than looking at Alan Wynne and you know sort of glaring at them, they've got they've got a sort of different sort of leader to follow. They, they, if you talk to the Welsh players, they, they they'll all tell you they've gone back to it, it, it's simple, it's been simplified the game plan. They've gone back. The yeah. evidence is clear. They all know exactly what they're doing. And that Australia game. I mean, let's be mm. honest. The Wallabies. I've never seen the Wallabies play that badly in in mm. all the time I've been covering rugby. Uh, so we've got to be honest about that. Wales were were good and efficient and, and uh, took their chances, but yeah, it was a relative achievement. Having mm-hmm. said that, if, if it is say Wales v Argentina in a in a quarter final, you know you're taking Wales at the moment to win that game, and suddenly you're in the World yeah. Cup final. At which point, you know you'd have to take your hat off to Gatlin and say what a job.
1: Anything could happen. It, it feels Harry, doesn't it? Like Wales are uh, absolutely. It, it feels like they should make a semi final from here.
0: I mean, I took a lot of grief when I actually said that Wales would be a mm. semifinalist and I, and I, as I, as everyone knows, from the roar I portrayed in November, that Eddie would do this because I thought his decline was speeding up, and he was one of like one of those people where like you could put the movie on triple speed, and his descent <laughs> would be like that because he ran through a lot of players in England too with pet projects. He has favorites and he has villains, uh, and and he he uh, he polarizes people. But I think it's even sped up because I think he was bitter about the English experience that I think he came almost with scores to settle. And it was inapposite. It was a little bit, you know, all over the place. Warren Gatlin had more alibis for failure at this world cup mm-hmm. than Eddie had actually going in. You would have said that Eddie had more to work with here. Uh, but Eddie didn't do a good job of this. It reminds me of a guy I used to climb mountains with and he was a very good mountaineer, uh, but he was always making more challenges for himself. And so by the end, even though we had gone up six or seven mountains before, at very high level. He said, you know what, Harry? Humans can see in the dark, we're just, we're just scared. So if we could just have no lights, no miners lights at two in the morning when we're going up on that early phases to beat the thunderstorms in the Rockies, you know, we're trying to summit early. Just, we have no lights. And so we're stumbling around in the dark, running into trees. And I'm going, Glenn, when do we actually start to see? And he would say, no, it'll <laughs> kick in. We're just like wolves. We're like primeval, man. It's just because we don't have, you know, we're scared. And so I think Eddie has these weird things where he goes, we're just going to do this for a while or that for a while. Trust me, Mm -hmm. believe in me. And the players are running around and running into trees in the dark. The ball never got to the third receiver. The only team Mm -hmm. in the World Cup that got to the third receiver less than the Wallabies, Romania. So it didn't even give Randwick running a shot. It just looked like people running into each other. And I just, what I would wonder about is, you know, we said earlier, Eddie always needs a strong right hand man to tell him when he's being really ridiculous. Because obviously, we keep saying, yeah. but he's a good coach. He knows things. Yeah, but, but he's only a good coach when he has someone telling him that the, far, that the weirdest yeah. ideas are not going to work and rein him back in, the Borthwick types.
1: <clears throat> yes, yes. Speaking of, um, it certainly feels like England are uh, on track. I don't know that I'll say back on on track because I'm sure they've got a lot of improvement in them, but they are certainly playing a hell of a lot better out there in the tournament, Rob, than was the case
2: during the warm up games and, and everything that came before it. Well, we just, we just, i just thinking about films. You're mentioning films there, and you know, you, know, you remember Mad Max Two. See Mad Max Two in the old, in the old, the at the end, they the old Mohawk. Is he? Where's was he? Comes up comes yeah. over the bonnet, and it's a bit like England. He wasn't, he's not all that beautiful. Where's was he? But he was, he was, a bit strident, <laughs> he's not what you want to see. And it's it, it reminds. It's, this is England. They're just coming over yeah. the bonnet, and, and you go, yeah. oh my god, we thought we'd seen the back of them. Um, yes. So, no, I, I, I mean, listen, we sat through the warm-up game, so you didn't have to. thank you in in twickenham and uh so you know i I don't think for once you can't blame the sort of media for talking them down unnecessarily they were they were really really poor and by their own emissions and i think they got here they said right we're we're actually we've got a good draw here so if we can just get past argentina by any means possible which turned out which was an inspired move argentina fell apart suddenly Mm. That the whole pool is sort of, you know, it's it opens up in front of you, and and, yeah. um, and confidence floods, and and then they start to back themselves, and then you, you score a few tries against the the, the, the smaller nations, and suddenly, it, you know, the world looks a different place. I still, you know, wonder what happens when they bump into, you know, one of your big old uh, your big yeah. old boys, but um, but yeah, for now, I, I, I've got to say, if you'd given them <clears> where <throat> they are a month ago, they'd have snapped. Your yeah. Hand.
1: Yeah. Confidence, confidence is a, is a wonderful thing, Harry. If you can get a little bit of it, it almost certainly becomes more. And that seems to be the way England are playing now. They've got a sniff, so we feel like we're a better team than we were a week ago.
0: I mean, they always had a battle-hardened pack. They have good muscle memory yeah. of being in uh, knockout matches in the World Cup. It's, that's hard to replace or replicate. They, it's one of the amusing re-rematches coming up here with um, possibly Fiji versus England. Uh, with Speaking of yes. warm-up matches... And so both, both yes. squads, both team, coaching teams would have had a lot of things to work with. Uh, plus, I think Fiji might have been more of a surprise then. No surprise now. So, you know, you can actually – there's a lot of things you can uh, rip up there. And I would think of the line-out in particular. Uh, they've had some time to look at the Fijian line-out. Um, but no, I think England looks like one of those proper World Cup teams, just like Wales – and what's interesting about this whole thing setting up, Rob, is that it could be four Southern Hemisphere play, uh, teams in the semifinals, or four Northern Hemisphere teams in the, fi- in the semifinals, and no one knows exactly what it'll be. So it's the, the draw is has been panned, but maybe there was something to it. I maybe mean, this is actually
2: good. Yeah, no, it is. It'll, I mean, those quarterfinals, we we don't want to jump the gun, but they'll be they'll be fantastic, won't they? The only thing I'd say about Fiji, you're right about the lineup. You know, England will kick it off the park. <laughs> All, all night, you you would suspect in in Marseille, um, but Fiji haven't got the fly fly half. Caleb months was was, was no. such a, such a shame. Right. That he got injured. He, he was integral to them beating England at, at Twickenham uh, and and his direction and getting them around the pitch. I think they they miss him,
1: which is interesting in itself because he was very up and down through Super Rugby this year, and he didn't didn't start at ten in every. In fact, didn't even play every game. They seem to have a bit of a rotating roster through through their number 10 jersey this year the the Drua. And so yeah, he was one of the big surprises of that warm-up game because he was excellent and so it was really sad when when he was ruled out before the tournament even began. And it felt like that was going to be a major thing for Fiji but they seem to have recovered fairly well. Uh, a question on England for you for you both. How far can they get? Because as I say, they are playing a hell of a lot better now than they were even a month ago. So, how far can they get, Rob?
2: Well, I, semi-final. There is no question. No question. Yeah. They, if you are giving them Fiji in a quarter final in Marseille with a narrow game plan that they that they do know how to play with with their best players, but Tom Curry's back now, Farrell's back. They haven't got any suspensions. They haven't got any injury problems. You know, you've got to say I mean, anybody. Certainly within the RFU, would be going blind if we if we would have mucked this, up and not get to the semi-final. It would be yes, yeah, it would be remarkable. So yeah, I think beyond that, well, you know, that's a different discussion, isn't it? You know, and and your play. And I'm I'm sitting here where I've got my copy of Lake Keep here for you. I was going to wave wave in front of you. Where is it over over here? They got oh, yeah. a big. They got. A, I can't really see it, but they got a big picture it's of like, Antoine like... Dupont. You know, face of hope. I think is my translation. Face of hope. Face back on the bike. Um, You know, and it's yeah, they're they're uh, they they're really if we because teams don't play for a week or they vanish off the radar, like you were talking about with Wales. Mm. You know, France, France in the Stade de France. I I just cannot see it's going to take something really special to beat France in the mm. Stade in one of those big games. So you know, when when we're coming to that, we'll maybe talk about that at, at a later nope. date. But that's 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 what I think.
1: Yeah, Harry, how how far can can England get?
0: No, England. So I think Fiji has um, sort of done their tournament in a way. There's part of them that can actually start to think, you know, we've already, we've already surpassed our expectations. England mm. is a, a cup team and they yeah, they, just, yeah. they are bloody minded. I think they don't mind being the mm-hmm. villain. I, I, I think yeah. they just want to win, baby. So I, I could see them going to semis. I think they run into either South Africa or, or France there. I think that's a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. because everything that England does right now, at least, those two teams can do just a little bit better. So, yeah, you would say it's a successful cup run. And in a way, when you compare, like, Eddie just left England, and now where he is now, it's okay to go out of the pools. No one's firing him. And then you look at the team that he left, For them to get the semifinals is actually kind of an achievement because they, they said for a while, yeah. like, you couldn't do that. Northwick has been handed a poison chalice. There's a bad feeling. So I'm, all credit to Steve and his guys. I think that team is um, happy enough. I mean, in an English way, they they look uh, they look and <laughs> they look happy <laughs> to be the villains what, in that, what does that mean? What does that they mean? Happy enough in an English way. They they just embrace the, the hatred. They they embrace yeah. they embrace that other teams don't necessarily love them. I think it's kind of fun for them to be in France. I think I think that's the ancient enemy, right? I think they there's nothing better than the English would love <laughs> than to actually be the French. Are, you, are, the are we heading? Are we heading down the path of
1: actual
2: conquering? Is that what we're doing now? I'm beginning I think was... that I should. Get, I haven't got my chain mail on
0: today. I might. I need some sort of but, horse but or Rob, some sort of. Rob, in the the Stade de France, if there is a semi-final between England and France, you could imagine that anthem singing getting really out of hand between those two countries. That would be really fun. (laughs) Well, yeah, I
2: I think I know who's winning
0: on that that particular (laughs) evening, but
2: uh, I take your point, yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh dear oh dear actually it's it, it's a it's a throwback to colonial days harry is that is that where you're heading now is that what you're actually saying
0: oh i, I just think some teams cannot handle being uh just dis- disliked and i think england can handle it just like the box can by the way but um the, other teams really like to be liked you know and they kind of <laughs> get a bad feeling i think england's here to stay as long as they can and they're happy with it we get quite a lot of practice you see that's why we're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> rugby on the roar rob what
1: have you made of the tournament in general it's 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 longer this year there's more time between games um it probably gives you working journalists um, a few days to get a bit of a breather in between. Uh, but, but what have you made about the general flow of the tournament?
2: I, I think it's a really tricky. One. I, I don't think it's any question. That it's too long. I, I don't, mm. I don't think if you look around the world and you look at how many sports events, I mean, we're, we're out here for eight weeks, basically. Okay. There's a few days before the start, but it, you know, it's an eight week stint and, you know, you, you start to forget your own name, never mind your family's name by, by, by that point. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's too long. And, and I, I do think that there's, there needs to be a few more games. Those, those midweek games. There must be a way of doing it. Either you get 24 sides in. Again, we can have that debate about whether that's good or bad. Or you have a, a plate competition and you you play that yeah, and fill yeah. in the gaps. But it's got to be about rugby. You know, it, it can't be a sort of, oh, well, we're over here. And I mean, yes, it's lovely. Oh, well, let's go and go to a vineyard or let's go and look around a cathedral. <laughs> Fantastic. You can do that on the day of the game. You don't have to spend a week doing it. If you see what I mean, I'm, you know. I've, I've um, and also I think you've got to mention in the stadiums. It's been it's not been ideal. Some of the some of the biggest stadiums. I think I have bumped into Aussie fans who older ones in particular who are not going to the games because it's too much hassle. It's late at night. You can't get home. The public transport's absolutely rammed. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a few logistical things I have to say. I don't think I think the country's great as we all know. They, they've been people falling over themselves to to, to be um, hospitable you know around around france i i would ask a few questions about the, the the money spent or the lack of sort of frills if you like in the organization security so tight and there's a uh, you know a lot of people with machine guns um but if they put possibly uh yeah I, yeah you could see why they're doing a dry run for the olympics so you might little, you might have a little look yeah. at that and say maybe that could be better but yeah as, as a <laughs> whole the rugby's been great some of it's been a little bit wince inducing I think you could argue it's it's pretty much like any World Cup. It's a it's a mixed bag.
1: Do you think Harry, this will give cause for question whether the idea of expanding it and and making it potentially twenty-four teams by thirty-two, if not twenty-seven? Do you think that is a cause for question?
0: Yeah, it's tricky because, look, the top teams are better than they were. So even though the yeah. other teams are getting better, it's like a forever catching. Um, the, the Gaps, gaps warning, yeah. The Irish, I mean Ireland compared to Ireland four years ago, just take that as one example. I mean, they're so mm. much better. And then you look at the teams that are chasing, like Scotland, they're also better. I mean, there are some of the teams that are really almost as good as they've ever been in that country. So then you say, um, what of Italy or Georgia or... Um, uh, teams like that and you and you're wondering could they ever catch them um it's there, there are things yeah. in sport that are difficult to overcome um you know I'm, i i think the plate thing is the only thing that appeals to me where you come in with maybe a lot of teams but then it and then it, it just kind of re at some point and then those teams get to play a full but then you're getting into a very long tournament um so i don't know maybe there's two tournaments that run alongside each other and they have you know they have the whole rugby festival idea and you have uh, and you have two you have two tournaments in one, maybe, but it it's more honest about the fact that Namibia shouldn't be playing uh South Africa mm. um, but to do all that, you have to have more tests so these uh, up and coming teams have to play more than five tests a year, four tests a year, and then suddenly they gotta play you know in Nantes against <laughs> Ireland or Bordeaux against Africa, and they're just getting Crushed, mm. and um, you know, I, I remember talking to a, a guy in Bordeaux, the father, a Romanian guy, and he brought his son. He said, I brought my son That's here right. to learn a valuable Jeez. lesson that it's life is day yeah, yeah, <laughs> life is suffering. And uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> what a cool guy, but you know, you'd hope that it was about more than that. Um, I, I'm with Rob, by the way, I mean, more beer, less machine guns. Come on, let's get a t shirt. <laughs> ridiculous ideas of what rugby needs in security we don't need you know fourteen thousand people in yellow vests strewn around the stadium but then when you try to get a beer it's two young teenage girls you know pouring one at a time and then tapping your card uh there had to be a better delivery system i do think that the nine o'clock matches are rough on people if they're not ex- like uh, a hotel an overpriced uh, hotel right next to the stadium but if you have to get from a place to a place at eleven thirty to twelve thirty at night. Uh, it is brutal in some of these towns. Mm. And so that that was no fun.
1: From a purely yeah. selfish point of view, let me say that the nine o'clock kickoffs um are my prefer my, my preference. <laughs> at least then I can sleep most of the night and just get up early. Well, the, the one forty five kickoff, one forty five A. M., two forty five AM, that's just ruining
2: everything. So <laughs> Oh, I'm yeah. not sure I'm on board with that. I'm sure they'll come to you for the next fixture schedule. <laughs> you know, it'll all be about, you know, whatever. You just, just tell them what you want, you know. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And and it, for a 27-year-old, I can absolutely guarantee I would not be saying. Revenge. Oh, no, no way.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Actually, that's one thing. I was just going to add in about the 24 teams or whatever, you know, whether they expand mm. it or not. They are desperate to expand it because the USA have got to qualify somehow because they're, they're hosting yes. the thing in 2031. So either yeah. you're relying on them being in the top 16 Somehow, definitely. Well, you can't rely on that with the other side's getting better, or you've got to expand your tournament a bit. Um, so, yeah. I, my my money, I think, would be on expanding it.
1: Yeah, and and you said there, Harry. You know, some of these guys are only playing five tests a year, like Namibia and Chile, even playing five tests a year. Which goes to your point, but there's got to be a way for them to play more.
0: Yeah, they have, like, a qualifying tournament uh, leading in. So for the two years prior to the World Cup, they have, like, an Africa Cup. They have a European yeah, Cup or something. But it, it's still nothing compared to the level of hard preparation that a guy like, you know, yeah. Ibn has. And then you're running into yeah. a Romanian lock that, you know, just has barely played.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, the the so-called Big Four, <laughs> well, France, France, South Africa, Ireland, New Zealand. Um, I think we we expected them to be very good. And I think generally speaking, they've lived up to that, which makes likely quarterfinals and semifinals all
2: the more mouthwatering, doesn't it? Well, it does, except that only two of them can get to the semifinals, yeah. you know, and yeah. I think it's, that's going to be the real narrative next week. These games are going to be fantastic. There's no question. Quarterfinals are going to be sensational, but there's a massive, great big asterisk and a caveat and all the things is that mm. it shouldn't be that way. They, they should be the semifinals. You know, if, 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 uh, Ireland playing New Zealand for a place in the final, for example, and South Africa playing France. I mean, what imagine those as a semi semi? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you could say, well, there's no difference. They're just playing them around early. But I, I think there'll be a you know, the, we talk about the integrity of the tournament and the best cream rising to the top, all those sorts of things. I, I think when you see, well, let's say Wales and you know Wales and England are perfectly decent sides as we know, but they're not at the same level as, as as you say the Big Four, if you want to call them that.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the movement, the, the movement Harry in the rankings in the three years since they've done the draw should speak volumes for the for, for, for too much time being given, like doing a draw three years out is actually ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the, the biggest losers on that is Scotland. I mean, they're the one team that just got completely screwed by it. Uh, look at their point differential, their actual points right now they sit on. I mean, so there's one strange permutation where they, where they kick out South Africa even. I think they have to win by 21, but Ireland has four tries. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but most of the permutations are that they still go home, right? So Scotland could win in a lot of different ways against Ireland and still go home. And you look at what their the World Cup has. Sorry, sorry but, but but you look at their campaign versus you know uh, English or the the Welsh or the Fijian, uh, Argentinian. It's just, I mean, Scotland would have rolled that side. They would have yeah, easily qualified and gone into quarterfinals. It, it, they would never have been the third worst in any of those pools, uh, either either those no, pools. That's but true. But yeah. No. Back, so back to your questions about permutations. Yeah. So.
1: Wouldn't South Africa have the head to head on Scotland? Isn't there a five point gap between South Africa and Scotland now?
0: Yeah, but there is one. So, yeah, South Africa would be kicked out in that case because the the head to head with Ireland would get them. So, what happened was if they all finished. Oh, so they
1: all end up on the same points. So, Scotland
0: has to to win by more than 20, by 21 or more, but Ireland has to also get four tries. So, it's a very strange scoring model that you'd have to imagine.
1: Gotcha. How good are, How good is maths? Like <laughs> that's, that's where that's where we that's where we're getting. Have you been? Have you been surprised, or has anything about these these big four teams surprised you, Rob? Or has it gone to the way you expected?
2: Uh, I, I thought that Ireland Ireland had you know that going back to that game, which really was a a, a revealing game. I think in many ways, uh, Ireland. You know, in the cold light of day, they'll say, well, we didn't actually play as well as we could have done. All the line outs sort of went no. wrong and and we didn't, they didn't get, the, you know, as much of the ball maybe in the right areas as they would have liked. And they couldn't get on, on top of South Africa, even allowing for the fact that South Africa are a different side to get on top of. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I think they, again, surprise is possibly the wrong word, but I think like, they, they, they impressed me with the way resilience and, and, and your likes of, you know, I, I keep, looking at him, Calen Doris, you know, nobody really talks about Calen Doris, you know, and they all talk about True. sort of glitzier players, but oh my God, he's, he's been sensational. Bundy Aki, you know, I think the, interesting, the thing about Ireland, all these guys have improved. They, they, you look at some teams mentioning no names uh, and, and they, certain coaches don't seem to improve their players, particularly maybe one or two get better, but a lot mm-hmm. of them just sort of stay the same or drift off. Arge, uh, Argentina, Ireland, they're all, they're all getting better. You look yeah. at all the, look across the team, look at your Mac Hansons, look at your James Lowe's, you know, yeah, from the southern hemisphere. We're, we're sort of relatively unconsidered in the southern hemisphere. They suddenly go to Ireland and they look like world beaters. Um, yeah, you know, Bundyaki, and like another so, Robbie Henshaw's yeah. battling to get a game, yeah. And 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 so you know, they're, they're doing a lot of things right, definitely. Uh, so yeah, they, they've uh, they've impressed me. I'm I'm glad to see New Zealand come back because I think it's again, mm-hmm. it's like uh. You know, you need a strong New Zealand uh, as much as you like it. You need a strong Australia. That's why it's been so, mm. so, I don't know, difficult to watch them, really, because for, for those of us, you know, a little bit, live a little bit further away, I've, I've, uh, I don't want to mention the book that I've uh, just written that's come out recently, but it's, you know, interviewed Campo, interviewed uh, Michael Liner, um, for, yeah, among other people, you know, about the glory days of Australian rugby and the contrast is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it is.
1: Expectation in France, at which at which point does one cancel out the other?
2: Well, I think that that's where you've you, you look at Galtier and and uh, Rafa Ibanez. They they've spent four years plotting everything. It's been a little bit like you know they're they're, they're like South Africa in that respect. They've plotted mm-hmm. everything. You know everything's been meshed together, and they've they've stress tested this. They've been they've been working on managing that expectation. They know that's a big deal. So yeah, no, they, they'll. I personally think they'll throw. I think. You know, I think a lot of their guys do thrive on it. I think that's where Dupont comes back in, though. See, yes. He loves it. the big occasion; absolutely loves it. Um Penno's another one. I think I think responds to a big occasion. I think I just you just want that. You know, if they get a couple more injuries in the forwards, I mean, Aldridge is such a big player for them. They got Willemse back now. Uh, um, Cyril Bay makes a big difference when he's back. So, yeah, I I, uh, I think it's less the expectation. I think they're fine with that. I think it's just the, the right bodies and the right on the field, yes. at the right places.
1: And they're certainly Harry living up to this whole superhero mentality. Like yeah. they are, they are literally being fated as, as as superheroes for this tournament at home. Yeah,
0: in 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 country, and I was uh, I think in eight different towns. You only see DuPont. and and I've joked about them being too dependent, but I think it's true still. <laughs> that they will suffer more from the drama of, is he in, is he out? What does it look like? The first time Peter to Toy smashes him legally, uh, what will that look like? And um, and I think, or, you know, in a normal world, we would never have put a young man in that situation again so quickly. Um, you know, it's it's a really big injury he suffered. And I, I just hope he's getting good advice. Like there's no way yeah, we'll know yeah. behind the scenes what's really being said to him, you know, but can you can you chew your four garage when you're 45? Uh, someone needs to talk to him. Um, The reason why we don't talk about Kalen Doris is you cannot recognize him without a scrum cap. He's like a different human being. And so he's one of those guys. Some scrum scrum caps don't change your appearance. But for some reason on Kalen Doris, like, who are you, man? He takes it off and he's he's like a Benetton model. And then you put it on, he looks like a killer. Um, so, no, I think I I have compared the teams to rock, paper, scissors and you have, you know, French and South Africans are two rock teams and two big boulders are going to smash into each other, whereas the two scissor teams are, are facing. But uh, my impression for Ireland is they're everything now. They're rock, paper and scissors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They yeah. seem to be able to play on the on the line. I mean, I know that they had, had to have a referee call at, you know, dead, the, the clock was dead and it was two meters out, but still they had resilience throughout the match. To not fold when their lineouts were not connecting um they were strong in the contact area i do think ireland has been the big the biggest mover out of those four teams um for the french they're a front-running team so i don't know what they're like when they're actually really under the cosh under the hot lights Mm. with their with their own fans whistling sometimes they can turn on you really quickly um and then for New Zealand, I would say they were never really gone. So this is where Brett and I have bad, bad nightmares. <laughs> no, yeah, this is we've, where- we've,
1: no. we've seen this movie before, haven't we? <laughs> we, really, we really have. Who Who's your pick from here? Rob, if we've got to hold one of these french machine guns to your head who, who are you picking from
2: here <laughs> i've got i've got my t-shirt I, I, by the way i think those beer and machine gun t-shirts they already exist in the states don't they i think there's plenty of those uh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely but they just absolutely. carry
0: around an actual machine gun with a beer yeah, and and <laughs> actual beer they have double exactly. holsters exactly. on a motorcycle <laughs> with no <their> helmet
2: <laughs> listen i i uh, before we started i chipped france on the basis that I, I couldn't see anybody beating them in the Stade de France with everything yeah. around it, I, I take the point about expectation, but it's also a it's going to lift them up big time. Um, all that emotion and that sort of uh, oh, the, just a, just a once in a lifetime chance and opportunity and all those things. So I'm 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 sticking with France possibly against my better judgment um you know you look at south africa and they look strong and organized you look at ireland they look unbelievably strong and organized but you, you know that you know two of those guys are, uh, two two of those really strong heavyweights are not going to get off the canvas are they uh, for the last yeah. four so uh, yeah no i think i'll i'll stick with france because you've got to be consistent
1: yeah no it's a it's gonna be really interesting to see how it plays out you have mentioned your book around the world in 80 minutes um it it, it it's Available in all good bookstores and online, and actual. I'm sure you you have spoken to some genuine heavyweights of the of the rugby world in order to put this one together.
2: Well, it's very very lucky, you know. You you sort of I don't know. You hang around long enough and you and you 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 know see a few games and and <laughs> you, you sort of you you, you have your favourites. I wouldn't want anybody to think I, I wanted to sort of talk to people who made a bit of a difference um, yeah. uh, in the men and women over the last 50 years. Since, you know, Gareth Edwards goes over in the corner, 73, that sort of got me into rugby against the All Blacks. Fantastic. You know, what first game of rugby I'd ever seen and, and the sort of 50 years from here to from there to 2023. And just as I say, the people have made a difference. And yeah, so, I, I, you know, you, you go and speak to Campo, you go and speak to Brian Driscoll about and and, and but also... You know what is what is rugby greatness, and in the end, you know it's yeah. not about the size of your stadium. It's not about you know how many wins you stitch together. It's it's almost it's, it's a little <clears> bit more <throat> indefinable. So hopefully, there's a bit more of that in the book as well for people who it, it, it's not just a list of achievements. It, it's about yeah. what it meant to people, and it's about the human beings, maybe, and the, the stories behind uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, what, great of some of the great events that we all remember.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it does. It does sound like a genuinely good read. Mate, look, we. It has been great to have you back on. We've we've really enjoyed the chat. We really enjoyed the chat last year, um, and uh, it's just been fantastic to, to stay in touch and, um, and and have you back on. Do enjoy the rest of the tournament. Do keep an eye out for my. Co host when he lands back in France in the next few weeks because he's got an awful
2: knack of finding people. I've got to say, <laughs> uh, Harry, just, just, just bring some euros with you because I'm, I'm going to be running out by the time I got uh, you. People.
0: I got you, Rob. Don't worry about it. Fantastic.
2: Nice to see you. Thanks a lot. The Raw.
1: Harry, fantastic to have Rob Kitson back on. Uh, he's been uh, maybe as busy on the tourism front in france as as you were in your first in and will be when you get back over there in a, in a few weeks time
0: yeah rob, rob is a good rugby man and i think he's also a guy who really understands and enjoys life he's one of those guys that you actually feel bad when you bash england and then like, it's rob <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. hey could you be could you be like more like the, the english version that we don't
1: like <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah we're, we're used to having practice he said uh, yeah, it's a, really, it's a really good point. Um, it's a, there is, is a fascinating weekend of games coming up, the fifth weekend and the fifth and final weekend of, of pool games. It kicks off on Friday night with New Zealand and Uruguay in Pool A. That's followed on Saturday by France and Italy, which... I mean, on paper, it sounds intriguing, but I'm sure in actual practice, France will no. do that quite comfortably. No. Uh, on Sunday, uh, Saturday night, it is, Wales, Georgia in Pool C could be mm. kind of intriguing. England, Samoa in Pool D is sort of similarly intriguing. Ireland, Scotland, the Pool B Boom. game. That's that's. Boom time there, isn't it? That's going to be that's a game. knockout
0: rugby has begun because for yeah. Scotland there is no other way than to win. I mean, they have to win first, but they have to win well, but they have to win. And so you yes. have uh, number five against number one. So there's been no real true upset so far. I guess the draw between Portugal and um Georgia was sort and of Georgia, a yeah, yeah. But I mean, this would be a proper upset, and um yes. But it's one of those upsets that you could imagine happening because it's a neutral field,
2: yes. one versus
0: five. Ireland has taken a lot of shots. You could see that might have been overlooking this game a little bit. Um, they won't want to, but I'm saying in your mind, it's difficult to get mm-hmm. up uh, week, 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 week. So you would look at this and go, Gregor Townsend and his boys have been looking at this forever. And they've just yes. been saying, that's the one we want. This is
1: the game that we absolutely have to win. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. Equally... I can imagine that would also apply for J- Japan and Argentina because that that game quite like will does decide who goes through in pool D. Is that Sunday? Uh, that is yes Sunday night my time. So yes, it would be nice. Sunday. After. It's the first first game on Sunday yeah. in France. Yes, big, right. Two
0: really big two really big games then the weekend then.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and that's followed by Tonga Romania in pool B and the last game of the pool stage is Fiji Portugal, which means Australia is going to sit there <laughs> in Saint-Étienne all weekend, having had a couple of days off, a couple of days of training, and they're going to have to wait for the last minute of the last game of the pool stage to find out whether they have it next week or not.
0: They should have based that's, in Nice or Toulon or something. Why Saint-Étienne, the armpit of France? Well, that was Dave Rennie's plan. He uh,
1: That was, co- that was their plan. Yes, wow. that was their plan from last year was that they were going to base themselves in, in Saint-Étienne and, um, you know, away from the glitz and glamour and distractions. And it sounds like there's no distractions in Saint-Étienne because there's just no distractions.
0: It's the only town that closes up at like 11. Like there's nothing yeah. going on. Yeah. It's you like, might in a kebab like, or something. That's it. It's like
1: Adelaide. <laughs> uh, some news of the last seven days, mate. I mean, this is a, it was a news point from last week, actually, Um Premiership Rugby and Major League Rugby last week announced a two-year exclusive rights deal for the for Premiership Rugby to, to be televised on MLR's platform the Rugby Network in the US. Now this is this is actually big isn't it in, for the US.
0: Yeah, I think they're getting all those building steps uh, you know in place and you yeah. know th- what's never a problem in the US about any sport is having enough people if they need power athletes, good athletes uh big, tall, strong, whatever, but it's about getting these things in place, and this is a big one. Getting getting the money right, as we know now, as we see so many clubs collapsing, as we see um, uh, competitions, you know, starting to shrink instead of grow, is that the wrong trajectory? So you think that with the Americas, Super Rugby Americas, as well as MLR, there's going to be enough going on for the next eight years that you will have um, good outcomes. I'm a little bit worried, you know, in your neck of the woods, about all the infighting and the uh, the battling over over um deals, money, sharing, who's in charge, um, you know, voting rights. And, and overall over all of it I just had this feeling that the personality of Hamish McLennan um has a big giant shadow where people are not, they're not really saying what they think or they're saying a lot of things offline, but when they come online, it's different. Yeah, uh, And I just worry about that. I worry a lot about whether that's going to be, it's only 13 tests until the lion series. That's what I keep yes, saying. You said that yeah. you do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And when you lay it out like that, it's, it's actually quite stark, isn't it? So yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on. There will be more go on. Absolutely. Once I think, Australia's pool stage exit is is confirmed, and that's when the postmortems will start in earnest. I'm, I'm and you have
0: your it. finger on the Brumbies' pulse. I know there was a story coming out there. Uh, what, yeah. What's the, what's the upshot? Where are we on the state the cons- versus state?
1: The concern is the, the concern amongst the state the states, and, and and I think it's a valid concern now, particularly is that is that if there's going to be a move to centralize centralize contracts and for players and coaches and SNC staff. Why does it need to be any more than that? Why couldn't the States actually maintain control of their organization, their marketing and their memberships and all that sort of thing in a world of equal, of centralized contracts, and which is effectively the New Zealand model. The the New Zealand franchises all have uh, contracts that are written up to New Zealand rugby, but the Crusaders market their game. The Highlanders market their game. The Blues market their game. And, (laughs) And I tend to agree with that. It's, it's difficult to believe that the best ideas to market a super rugby game in Perth are coming from an office in Moore Park in Sydney. It's, it's yeah, because very it, difficult.
0: To it, in New to Zealand, I mean, I'm not going to say anything too crazy here about New Zealand, but New Zealand's markets are less diverse, I would think, than yes. Australian markets. I mean, the difference between Western Australia and, you know, Sydney world is just so different. It's huge, just, huge. Yeah.
1: Even the difference between Sydney and Canberra. And you know they're yeah. the closest to two teams is is huge. So yeah, I, I'm. I think there's there will be a, a lot of discussion around that, and, and I think the states have good reason at the moment to be skeptical of of, um, of of the the power plays that are that are in that are in play. So we'll see we'll see how it all plays out. Um, a few more little things here, mate. Sam Whitelock played his 149th Test match on Friday night in New Zealand's big win over Italy, which makes him the most capped. Test player in All Black history hmm. um, Jamie Wall noted A friend of the pod noted that it's Now actually quite funny that the All Blacks are having to do Three Sam Whitelock tributes For three <laughs> games in a row Because last week, last week he equalled Richie McCaw, now he's overtaken him Next week's his 150th test
0: <laughs> <laughs> when does so, he get his? When does When does he get his invisible cloak? That's a really good point.
1: It's a really good point. Uh, Wallabies prop James Slipper uh, broke George Gregan's record for the most Rugby World Cup matches by an Australian uh, in the win over Portugal. It was his 21st test over four tournaments, uh, which puts him one clear of George Gregan's 20. Um, he Gregan and Adam Ashley Cooper also the only three Australians to have gone to four World Cups as well. So uh, good on James Slipper. Uh, Hawke's Bay in New Zealand stunned Wellington to end their lengthy unbeaten run and claim the Ranfurly Shield, holding on for a famous 20 points to 18 win on Saturday that added yet another chapter to the famed Logger Woods history. But, as do their celebrations afterwards, in which, quote, (laughs) a genuine accident saw the, the Ranfurly Shield split into several pieces. Uh, Hawks Bay Rugby said that they, quote, will take full responsibility for the damage and will immediately begin the process of repair. But now there's also pictures of mysterious white powder and that issue is only going to get bigger and messier before... Some simple timber work gets fixed up. On the local front, mate, the Wallaroos went down to New Zealand in their second O'Reilly Club cash uh, on the weekend. That's sort of warm up for the WXV series as well. The Western Force beat the Cheetahs thirty to twenty seven in the third game of their Challenge Series. Um, this one's now they're back in back in Western Australia being played. Uh, the Western Force have also started Australia's Super Rugby Under sixteen and Under nineteen series with wins in, in both tournaments over the Melbourne Rebels, uh, which is good to see that tournament. That's that's genuine pathway happening, so it's good to see that happening. Um, there was plenty of points but no steak sandwiches at Viking Park in Canberra's New Zealand schools took the two-game series with a 55-36 win over the Australian schoolboys uh, there in Canberra on Monday, and the Brumbies mate mm-hmm. have arrived in Japan for their two-game tour as well. They're playing Suntory and the Rico Black Rams um, starting from next weekend I think so that's the news of the week um, in terms of coverage Rugby World Cup coverage from here on in the, we have you covered absolutely throughout the rest of the tournament Harry and I will be here every week as, as we have been we will continue having great conversations with a host of wonderful guests and instant reactions all the way through to the final uh, and Christy and Tony are still there in France for the moment and uh, we'll drop info later in the week as they as they need to so keep an eye on the Raw and this and the Raw socials as well to see where they pop up next um some reviews mate there's been a few more reviews flooding in we had a couple of reviews from a regular def ww i'm calling him he said uh, love the analysis of the gatlin and jones as archetypes type of fun but insightful discussion that sets this pod apart and i will say to you def ww we have seen all your reviews and we do thank you for leaving them all but mate i think that is us done for episode 82 of the raw rugby podcast powered by asics don't forget harry and i are both on the socials uh do leave your ratings and reviews if your pod platform allows it and do also (laughs) like follow subscribe and ensure you see every new episode as soon as it goes live on your platform it's just the raw rugby podcast with me brett mckay and harry jones every week on the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate home of all your favorite international rugby analysis opinions and conversations. All thanks to ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear partner of the Wallabies. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week.
0: Come, play with us.